just everyone is uniquely called into different things. There's so many mommy wars about mm-hmm. this topic in particular. Mm-hmm. It, it takes away the ability to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in someone else's life, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. we come to different places because we trust that the Holy Spirit is working in the other person and has led them down this path that is good and right for their family, but it's different for our family because mm-hmm. we're different. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. A place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hi friends, Kayla here, and we are excited to share this latest episode where we dive into education. But before we do, I'm thrilled to share a special new feature we're rolling out over here at Upside Down Podcast. We're launching monthly podcast sponsorships where we feature like-minded businesses and organizations that we believe in and we believe will provide value to you, our awesome Upside Down tribe. Yeah, we are seriously all about our first ever sponsor, which is Love Justly. We love supporting ethical companies, but... I know from experience, sometimes it can be really expensive. So Love Justly, yes, is a discount fashion site where every purchase makes a difference. Mm. Yeah, so by providing discounts on fair trade, ethically sourced, and social mission companies, it becomes affordable for businesses (laughs) who are doing awesome things, changing the world. But sometimes it's just, it's, it's hard to make Mm -hmm. that happen. So Love Justly partners with a variety of ethical companies to provide items at a discount and they get new stuff each month. That's so cool. I know. It's awesome. I've been watching, and I love that there's everything from clothes to accessories to children's wear, and they even have Mm -hmm. shoes, and their shoes are amazing. Oh, I know. That is awesome. (laughs) So for more information about Love Justly, everyone can check out UpsideDownPodcast.com slash sponsors. And stay tuned, because at the end of this episode, we have a special discount code, which means that you'll basically be getting fair trade items for next to nothing sweet so guys enjoy this episode of upside down podcast where we dive into all types of education and discuss our differing perspectives on public schools here in the states we really had a blast recording this and we hope you guys enjoy it too hi and welcome to upside down podcast with unscripted conversations on life and faith i am your host for today shannon evans and joining me are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shannon can't remember our names tonight, guys. He doesn't know who we are. This is my second go around. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to come clean. This is my second try. Okay. I am here with Kayla Craig, Christy James, Lindsay Wallace, and Lori Harris. Good job. Hey. You did it. I did it. <laughs> sticking with me. Um, we so appreciate you guys tuning in, and it's been really fun to catch up with some of the reviews on iTunes, mm. and I think that a few of you guys had picked out your favorite ones you wanted to share. Yeah, this is Kayla, and I have one, and I just loved how she, what she named the review. It's from Desiree, and she named it hashtag blessed by this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see what you did there, Desiree. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is a reference to one of our past episodes. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen. And anyway, Desiree says, just kidding, smiley face about this. <laughs> And then says, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, check out episode three. I love this podcast so much. I can relate with all of them in some way, even though I'm not sure who I relate to with what, because I still don't know whose voice is whose, except for Lori, of course. Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody says that. (laughs) Everyone knows who Lori is. She says, I feel like I'm sitting at a table with my best girlfriend, sipping coffee and talking about life and Jesus, even though we come from different backgrounds. They are vulnerable, honest, humble, and challenging. Two thumbs up. I mean, five stars. Thank you, Desiree. (laughs) Glad to have you. (laughs) You know, Kayla, I don't know if we're having an influence on you, but I noticed in the in the interview, in my interview, there were two a couple times when you took a word and like put a major southern draw on it. Like you were like, (gasps) Do you like to sing or dance? (laughs) (laughs) Dance. (laughs) You know what? Christy, 
my voice will change to whoever I'm talking to. So if I do that with the Southern accent, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, like what am I doing? I'm from Iowa. Like I don't do this. It it doesn't matter. I could be talking to like a British person with mm-hmm. a British accent. I do the same thing. Oh, I don't know. And I are kind of just, just imagine, you guys, just imagine what I sounded like when we were in Nigeria. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> Um, well, we've got another one. This is Christy. This one is, it says we can't get enough, enough of these. It's by Mrs. Sydney Wilson. And she says, yes, just yesterday I decided to start searching for Christian podcasts for women. And I came across this one that someone on Pinterest recommended. I listened to episode three first, which is interesting because that's the same one because of the title. And it really spoke to me. Now I'm listening to the rest of them as I make my commute to and from work. Thank you ladies for having these real conversations. Please continue to make more podcasts. Cool. Aww. We will. We will. <laughs> We're well, trying. We will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for a little, little icebreaker, which I hated when I was like in junior high and high school and youth group, we always did the icebreaker. Did yes. you all do that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would not... go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you like the introverts of the group were like, yes, you know, like no time for it. this. Yeah. I was like, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So tell me, um, real quick, tell me what you guys are reading lately. Choose one book. If you're reading more than one, what is oh. one good book you're reading? It's like you knew, Shannon. You knew oh, really? we all had multiple books. <laughs> all right. right, I know. I just finished, this is Lori, but I just finished Hillbilly Elegy. Mm. love that book oh my gosh it's good dad's reading it and he never reads the books that I recommend to him but he can't put it down (laughs) Mm. it's so good my husband and I did church planting in the Appalachian Mountains right after we got married and so this book takes place in Kentucky but I can so relate to um, Appalachian Mountain people it's a fabulous Mm -hmm. book I mean it's a hard read it's got a lot of language in it but it's so good Mm -hmm. what what kind of like a yeah it's a memoir it's a memoir Okay. Yeah, and, and the author, J.D. Vance, has actually been on CNN lately. He does one of the late night shows. I don't remember which one, but he's he's great. And he just, when I think, we live among the marginalized, but when I think about, he, he grew up as a marginalized mm-hmm. person. And so he's overcome so much in his life. And it's it's a really inspiring story and heartbreaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like next on my list for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christy, what are you reading right now? Uh, well... Here's the thing. I am in the middle of preparing. I don't read. No. I actually, I'm the kind of person who will read a lot of books at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be better about focusing in on one. But I I have this speaking engagement that I'm doing next week, which, you know, that'll be much, it'll be long gone by the time this airs. And so I really have had to put everything else on hold. So I'm basically reading all about Genesis right now. So like lots of different books. And it's amazing. Our resident theologian. No, like, like she can't escape what she is. Mm. Yeah. But um, it's, hey. I'm like super – I mentioned the book Far As the Curse is Found in my interview. And it's like that book kind of spurred me on to look into some of this. And when you really get down into these stories in like the first half of Genesis, it's kind of crazy to look at like – who the people actually were and what yeah. was really going on. Like kind of take it off the flannel graph that we all learned from high <laughs> mm-hmm. school huh. and put, you know, flesh and blood on these people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, what you reading? Well, I'm going to go with what I just finished too. I just finished the very good gospel by Lisa mm-hmm. Sharon Harper. And it's actually when I started last year and I somehow got to be one of those people who read a lot of books at one time (laughs) and never used to be but anyway so I had like I have a stack on my nightstand right now that I'm committing to finishing before I move on so that was at the top of the stack and I just Mm -hmm. finished it so Mm -hmm. yeah it's really good you you have quite the stack of books that you want to read (laughs) I have a a problem (laughs) that's a good problem to have though really Yeah, I know. I feel like there's never time for all the books I want to read. You know what? Somebody in our Upside Down Tribe, I asked because they're, Lindsay asked people what they were reading and everyone had such good things. I mean, I was like, oh, I want to read that. Oh, I want to read that too. And I asked like, what do I do? Because I have four young kids. Like how Mm -hmm. in the world 
do I get to this? And somebody recommended audiobooks. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, yes. I do that a lot. Do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I need to do that more. Yeah. I should too. That's a good idea. My Kayla, favorite. have you answered one? Oh, Lori. No, I haven't. I, you know what? I just started reading a book, and, and I was just telling you guys about it. It's called Prophetic Imagination, Walter oh, Brueggemann, yeah. and it's it's heady. It's an intense book, but it's also really good and really relevant to kind of how I'm feeling and in, in this this atmosphere and this kind of context that we find ourselves in. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's intense and it's really good. So I'm I'm having to read it in little bits at a time, but I mm-hmm. think. You know, that's probably good so I can digest it and really kind of think about it. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say was if anybody was looking for just a good first audiobook, uh, I would suggest uh, Between the World and Me, Between Tanahasi Coates. It is, it's like a three hour listen. And I listened to it in the kitchen and it had some language in it, obviously, but. Uh, it was so good. I don't think I could have read the book the way he read it. Oh. Um, and I, I will. Ne- there's like certain phrases that he he says mm. over and over again because he wants to make a point. And I think about those phrases all mm. the time in his voice. So if you've not l- listened to that, I would suggest mm. listening to it over reading mm-hmm. the book. It's mm-hmm. fabulous. Okay. Mm. Thank and you for recommending. Yeah. Yeah. Check out your libraries too, because um, like our yep. public library uses OverDrive, so you can download books through the library and listen to them nice yeah. Lori, he's actually speaking here on monday night and i think are I'm you gonna, gonna go, go? i'm go. gonna go oh, i know yeah. i'll report back oh, yes. <laughs> he's so good but here's yeah. the thing he's not a believer so right. when you when you read his stuff there is a sense of there's no hope mm-hmm. um and but it was good for me to read it that way because i I put it in the like the perspective of my neighbors who are lost, right, right. and this is their mm. narrative, you know. Yeah. So it was really yeah. good. Huh. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I actually I started it and then it was due at the library, so I never finished it. But mm-hmm. I got like half point, so I still need to finish it. But maybe I'll listen to the rest on audiobook. That sounds good. Listen to it. Yeah. Um, so right now I will be the odd man out and say I am reading fiction. I think I'm the only one right now. Good. Um, <laughs> I, I love just, fiction. I, I love fiction too. It's like, yeah, my husband is the the one that reads the Brueggemann and like the heady <laughs> stuff, and I'm like the Snow Child. This is such a beautiful book. It is though. Um, and now the name, the author's name, is escaping me. But it was. I just found it. Modern Mrs. Darcy recommended it, and it was like it's really mm. wintry. It's set in Alaska in like the twenties, and mm. it's uh, it's written just exquisitely it's so beautiful and so it's just a nice winter read so mm. that's kind of nice to have that escape a little bit you mm-hmm. know yeah like, I'm really enjoying this is a it's been a really heated week uh here yeah. so <laughs> so I'm enjoying having I haven't some, noticed <laughs> right no, no, big deal. no big deal nothing uh, is first, going on in the world what are you talking about after the inauguration pretty hot pretty hot <laughs> So today, we're really excited about this episode, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Today, we are going to be talking about education choices for how we make the decisions that we do for where to send our kids to school. And we have everything represented under the sun, right, guys? I mean, we mm-hmm. have private school, public school, homeschool. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it, right, between the mm-hmm. five of us. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we're super excited to kind of have the conversation. And again, our hope is that not just that you get to sit here and listen to us talk, but that it'll help you um, engage in conversations with people in your life, that it would help you understand others better, why they make the decisions that they do. Maybe it'll help you kind of look at your own schooling decisions and see if maybe God is nudging you to change them or if it's confirmation that you're right where you need to be. But yeah, I think this will be really fruitful for all of us. So you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 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 oh, sure. my favorite topic ever. I know. Oh, I'm so. Go. I feel like we all just need to talk. <laughs> yeah, like the the first half of the episode needs to be all of us, and then the last half is just Lori. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We will sit under your tutelage. We will be your padawans. We're gonna lose half of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really, I am really excited though. Yeah. I have some like specific questions for you, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to. 
Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Lori Harris blogs a lot about their public school and mm-hmm. and being a public school advocate. So yeah. we always learn so much from her writing. Yep. So Kayla, Word. you had a really fun question just to kick us off, didn't you? Well, yes. <laughs> so I was just wondering, because I don't know, what kind of education background do we all have? Like, where are we coming from? Because I think a lot, you know, that affects how we then move on mm-hmm. and see the future. So so mm-hmm. I'll go first. I grew up in a pretty, like a lower, um, lower to middle class elementary school, public elementary school. Uh, my mom was very involved. She was an amazing like parent advocate and volunteer. And uh, I actually got to see her advocating for children of lower income status who were not getting school lunches. And that's a story in and of itself, but she really went to bat for them. And as a child, I got to witness that. And that that really, I think, I, only now as as I have my own kids, am I realizing how powerful that was for me to see her, her there and her presence there. And mm-hmm. my elementary school is pretty diverse, and and I think that that you know, like I had teachers of color. Uh, there were lots of different minorities represented. And my school also had a, a pretty large Bosnian refugees um, mm-hmm. that came and settled. And so we, I really just had. I thought that's what all schools were like and that's what everyone's experience were. And then we moved to the suburbs of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and it was a very white middle to upper middle class, upper class suburbs. And it was a very different experience. I I had a bunch of people that looked like me and and it was just kind of like almost a little bit of a culture shock. Mm -hmm. And so even in public schools, I think I saw that there's such, there's a, there's a big chasm in public schools, you know? Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, there's, there's a few of us that have children who go to public schools, it's all very different. And so, and then, and then I ended up moving back to the original town that I was in and I had a pretty diverse lower income, probably very low rated high school that I, that I went to. So that, that's my sphere. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear you guys. Christy, what about you? Well, I went to 11 different schools between kindergarten and my senior year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. We moved around quite a bit. And so... Yeah. um, It was a combination... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It was a combination of... Like, so what would happen, what happened a couple times is we moved, like we moved to a different state and I would enroll in the public school and then it would be like an underperforming public school. And my parents pulled me out and put me in private Christian school. Um, so that happened yeah. twice. And then by the time I was in third grade, I, I had been to six schools and oh, I guess wow. four of them were, four of them were public and two of them were private Christian schools. But we, when we landed in High Point, North Carolina, I, I stayed in public school until my freshman, all the way up until graduation, but we moved. So we lived in a pretty, like my, I, so the majority of my schooling was in a fairly diverse district in North Carolina. And then my half of my sophomore year was in Colorado Springs at a very, very white, I'm trying to remember I mean, it was pretty, it wasn't super suburban, but I think the side of town that we were in, even though it wasn't suburban, was just predominantly white. And so I I moved to that setting, which was very different for me. And then the, like the next semester, we moved back to Indiana and we were in a suburban high school in Indiana, which was not very diverse. So a little bit of a mix, but predominantly public school. Well, I this is Lori, but I grew up in uh, in a rural school. Like, mm. well, I'd say rural. Like, <laughs> I, I I didn't move around a lot, so we were always here, kind of in Dorches, which is right outside of Rocky Mount. But the school I went to, an elementary school, was kind of out in the country. But honestly, it was pretty diverse. Looking back, I mean, I was so young. I mean, you have this childlike view of what your school mm-hmm. was like and the diversity mm-hmm. and the socioeconomic status of everyone. But I. I remember there being a very diverse group in every single class, and we were segregated by these are the academically gifted kids and these are the not-so-gifted kids. And so they were kind of broken up like that. And I can remember, I can vividly remember 
like the poorer kids being in the lower performing classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember there not being, there didn't seem to be a lot of poor kids in my school. Looking back now as an adult, I know that there were more than I probably mm-hmm. realized at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a country school. And here's the other weird thing. By the time I got to high school, um, we would always joke like uh, we had in my high school, we had a guy who painted a mural in our cafeteria. And the mural was supposed to be represent, representative of our school class. So mm-hmm. he like did kids playing tennis, kids playing basketball. Um, you had you know, kids studying, and it was so weird because all the athletic kids were black. Like in all in like the murals on the mm. walls, there were all the black kids, mm. and all the white kids were doing super studious stuff. Mm. And, and the kid who wow. painted it was a, was a black kid. And I don't remember what his name was, but that has always stuck out to me because mm-hmm. in my by the time I graduated, my class was predominantly African American. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it never dawned on me that I was the minority mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. in my school. But it would always be weird, like homecoming court would come around, you know, and you'd have like all black girls and like a couple of white girls and we were like dude what's up with that it never <laughs> dawned on us we were like there weren't that many white people in my school. <laughs> um, but it's just it's funny the things that you remember you know looking yeah. back and you because that that's where my privilege was you know I'm the mm-hmm. white kid you know there's more of us we have more power I mean all those things now I'm beginning huh. to understand yeah. mm-hmm. um, but it really shaped me growing up so mm-hmm. 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 that's interesting yeah, Lindsay, uh, what about you? Yeah, I went to public school, and we did move once when I was in high school, but my experience was pretty much the same. So it was, you know, middle, my, so I lived in northern Ohio and then southern Indiana, and so northern Ohio was pretty middle class. Um, there were, I remember two white kids, or two black kids, sorry, in my elementary, junior high, high school, you know, we all went. It was a pretty small town, so everybody just moved up together, so very very predominantly white and then same thing in southern indiana i would say it was probably more middle to upper class Mm -hmm. but again i can remember just a couple of kids of color at that school also so Mm -hmm. so as for me i'm shannon talking when i was like kindergarten through second grade we were in arkansas and i would say the school was predominantly black it was it might have been it might have been like closer to 50-50, but in, in my memory, I remember kind of, I mean, I didn't have like language for like the minority, but I just knew that there was a lot of people that didn't have my skin color. You know, I was mm-hmm. still really little. Um, but then we moved to Texas when I was in third grade and that was a public school. Um, in third grade, I started going to a predominantly white, pretty wealthy public school. And I mean, we did have some minorities too, but, but it was a very, like there was, it was, it was in the suburbs. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was, that's me. I think it is kind of interesting to hear other people's like history. Cause I know you guys now, yeah. but I didn't know you then. And I don't mm-hmm. know yeah. what has shaped you and what yeah. your history is. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that all of us went to public school. That's what I was about mm-hmm. to say, Lori. Except yeah. for Christy went to a few private, but yeah, right. I do <laughs> wonder, like, is it is it less common now to choose public school than it was when mm. we were kids? Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a white evangelical, you claim to be a white evangelical, then absolutely, it's very yeah. You don't you don't attend public school. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably kind of growing. Like, I think my understanding is that uh, we're going to kind of dive in here. Let's do it. <laughs> I wish I had started that sentence. <laughs> I'm over here, um, like, cracking my now. knuckles. Like, you that- know. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my earrings. <laughs> Take your earrings off. Um, well, so, so full disclosure, as I go into this, my, my two school-age children go to a private Christian school. 
Um, yeah, should which, we say that next? Like, yeah. What do we, oh, yeah. That might be helpful. And then we'll come back to you, Christy. Okay, yeah. so, okay well, I'll start. Don't, don't think you're getting off the hook, Christy. We're coming back <laughs> yeah. to you. So my last year, my oldest daughter was in kindergarten, and we started – Asheville has awesome public city schools, the county schools. I, I don't know really anything about them because we're in the city limits. So we had a great experience at the public school that we – we have a um, magnet district. There's no zoning. So you decide, like you pref which school you want to go to, and then you they give, I think 100% of kindergartners have gotten their first choice for the last, like, six years. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, and I mean, just, we had a great experience, but um, there's a small classical Christian school that opened about three years ago, and we're friends with the headmaster and his wife, and after being friends with them and kind of watching and hearing about the school for a semester, we started considering it for our younger daughter who's birthday is in July. So she's a really young kindergartner mm. and they have a half day kindergarten. Mm. So we decided to tour to look at it because of that. And once we went and toured, we really fell in love with the school, but we wrestled for about four months on whether or not we were willing to pull out of public school. So yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that there. Okay. okay. I'll come back to that. Well, this is Kayla, and I only have one one kiddo that is um, elementary school age. He's in kindergarten, and he's currently in public school. Kayla, how would you kind of describe what kind of public school it is? Uh, So we're, yeah, we're in um, small town Iowa right now, and it is a very, I feel like it's a very equipped and fairly wealthy school. Our small town only has one public elementary school. But uh, just like a note in diversity, I was really amazed looking at my son's class picture because we had um, a decent amount of kiddos who are Hispanic. And so it's interesting to see this Mm -hmm. small town demographic kind of change. And so there's only two African-American children, but uh, over half is um, kids of color. So it's kind of interesting. Because we live in a fairly, you know, rural, small town context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Lori, and I have, you know, I have the six kids, but <clears throat> we actually homeschool. <laughs> I have the six kids. I have <laughs> the six. Um, and my oldest one's in high school, but we actually homeschooled for seven years. And when we moved to Dallas, my husband was in seminary, so we homeschooled because the, the public schools my kids would have attended were predominantly Spanish speaking. And I, and honestly, because he was in seminary and working full time, it just fit our family's lifestyle to homeschool because mm-hmm. we could be flexible and mm-hmm. I could take the kids with me to work. I was working in our church, so it just fit our demographic. When we moved to Rocky Mount, um, we moved into our neighborhood intending to continue to homeschool. So I, mm-hmm. I never even considered the public school here um, when, we, when we moved. It wasn't until after we moved and lived here for a couple of years that we really felt convicted that in order to reach our neighborhood and have some skin in the game, um, Mm -hmm. we needed to enroll our kids in public school because we couldn't really say that we loved our neighbors and cared for our neighborhood and our community if our kids didn't attend the same school that their friends went to. Mm -hmm. So this is our third year in in public school, and we are, um, our schools are Title I schools um, for elementary and middle, and they are super low performing, underfunded. Our, when I say our kids are the 1%, they are the 1%. We mm. have, it's, I, I would say probably 97% African American, maybe 1% Hispanic, and those Hispanics um, are, you know, half white or half black. So they might even be labeled as African-American. I'm not quite for sure, but we're like the 1%. So um, my oldest child is at a high school that's awesome and it's very diverse. The odd thing is that she is now in what's considered an interbaccalaureate school like program. And so she's in the super upper level classes, super smart kids. They're on the college track and there's only one black kid in her class. So she's gone from being the only white kid in her class Mm. to now having only one black kid in her class. Wow. And Mm. all of these kids have come from private schools and are just at the high school for this one program. So Mm. it's totally different. And we have seen a huge shift in her. 
Um, she doesn't quite know who she is, where she fits in, how all this yeah. is going to shake out. So we're yeah. we're walking through that, but it's completely different than our middle school and our elementary school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do kids from your middle school funnel into that high school? Is that the normal? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They do, and Ellie never sees them at school because they're right. they're Not in the lower class. performing classes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, this is Lindsay, and um, I have the five kids, and we, <laughs> we homeschool. We have always homeschooled, although my oldest son, um, he was still in the state's custody when he started kindergarten, and they would not allow us to homeschool him. So he did go to public school kindergarten, um, but that's our only experience with any type of school outside of what we do at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Shannon, and I only have one school-age kid right now. He is in first grade, and it's pretty interesting. Our school is actually a Title I school, but you would never really know it. It doesn't, um, yeah. So it's can, kind can of. Can you guys explain what Title I yeah, means? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. Laura, you could probably explain it better. It's it's honestly it's super hard to explain because if you really look at statistics and the titles of schools. Nearly all public schools in America are Title I schools, Okay, which means that they have so many poor children in their public schools that they they qualify for special funding from the government. Mm -hmm. Um, It means that their kids perform at a certain level. um, They are at a certain socioeconomic level. And you'll notice a lot of counties, if you have schools offer free breakfast and free lunch. Mm-hmm. And so if like a certain percentage of the kids receive free lunch and free breakfast, then it's just automatically across the board. All the kids in that county get it. Okay. So my kids get free lunch and free breakfast every day mm-hmm. and they won't take wow. their lunch because they feel embarrassed to take their lunch. All their kids are eating the school lunch. But when mm-hmm. we lived in Dallas County, it was the same way. All the kids in Dallas County got free lunch and free breakfast. Wow. So it's just one of those little known facts. So you might, um. have, you might have one or two schools in a county that, uh, are reaching a certain demographic and they don't qualify as Title One, but most mm-hmm. schools do now. Okay, interesting. Gotcha. So that's us. All right. So Christy, Christy we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. super convenient. Yeah. I'm really Christy. glad we did that because I remembered that I got this information from Lori. <laughs> <laughs> so Lori and I had a conversation. I can't remember if anybody if it was like a Vox conversation or whatever where we were talking about the history of Christian, not all Christian education, I don't think, but just mm-hmm. some of the, you know, there are two sides to every story right. and um, maybe part of the underbelly of some of the big, um, really powerful Christian schools with great facilities and all of that kind of stuff kind of resulted uh, at from desegregation. Is that true? And That's right. I bring yeah. that up, not... Yeah, well, we can have an honest conversation about it. Yeah, I'm going to be really honest about. I read the book "Educating All God's Children" a few years ago, and um, this book just really illuminated some truths that I already knew to be true based upon what I have had observed in my own community. Mm -hmm. But when the South began to desegregate its schools, there was a huge rise in private schools, private Christian schools, Mm -hmm. and the private schools kind of emerged in rural areas where they could just claim to be a Christian education, educated school. And then uh, it was, it was basically to continue the idea of segregation. Mm -hmm. So, and it kind of just birthed out of that movement and not all Christian schools are like that. But if we trace history back in the South, particularly, Mm -hmm. you will find that private Christian schools emerged during that time and they really Mm -hmm. flourished. Mm. So you, when the white kids kind of, went to the private schools. Um, They took their money, their resources, their voice, everything with them. And the, the public schools were kind of left with just poor black kids and poor white kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And historically we can see that continuing to play itself out in the South. Mm -hmm. I'm not so for certain about the North, but I really just been studying about what is wrong with our public school system in the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can kind of trace it back to that. Mm-hmm. And we don't like to talk about it because we want to, we want to believe with, that we've come so, so far, but mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is we have not come very far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one of the hard things, one of the things that came up in that conversation that was interesting to me, so our school um, is, it's about, I think it's three years old. I think this is the third year and we've got like 25 to 30 kids in the whole school. So it's really small. Um, But one of the main uh, tenets of the school is that it's affordable and accessible, even though it's private education. And kind of up until this conversation, for me, that was convenient, but then... I had two conversations. One was this one where I realized that part of what that allows us to do, um, which we did not ever think we would consider anything but public school, um, which is a good reminder that like you, you have a lot of times you have ideas coming in and then you actually look at your kids. Sometimes you have to make different decisions. Um, right. But anyway, I, uh, that conversation with you, Lori, and then another conversation I had with, a uh, um, another friend who was, a proponent of low cost education was just that that frees us up to have resources to do other things. You know, like we, it is a stretch for us to be paying, even though it's a really low cost um, private education, but it's not stretching us to the point where all of our time is spent working to be able to cover the cost or right. all that kind of or, stuff. So yeah. like I, I, we still have resources to be able to pour into our community and our neighborhood and that kind of stuff, um, which I think is actually pretty unique. I could yeah. be wrong yeah. about that. But. We have, we have uh, several private schools here in my county, and one of them opened about three years ago, and it, it's the same principle. It's low-income mm-hmm. um, private school, mm-hmm. which um, it sounds great mm-hmm. uh, in I think in theory in our, uh-huh. in our area, yeah. but we have a lot of families who, who are really can't afford even that, Yeah. Mm. but because there is a movement to, to kind of get the Christian kids out of the public school system, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. seeing a huge growth and parents are working two and three jobs. The schools mm. are doing, they're doing GoFundMe account. I mean, like to just raise the funds to do this. Mm-hmm. And I, and and the flip side of that is we've got private we've got public schools, you know, getting federal funding because we're so poor. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. There's just a huge there's a huge for for us personally in our context. There's a huge disconnect with if I'm going to love my community, that mm-hmm. I need to do what I can do to serve my mm-hmm. local community. Mm-hmm. Um, and and every year, I mean, I've said this repeat like every year we say, do we want a public center? Do we, do we want to homeschool? Do we want to consider other things? I and mean, we just keep going back to that. Thing. We got to mm-hmm. put our like body where our mouth is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, that's a big thing for us. It gives us, we feel like, I, honestly, for me, for us, we wouldn't care about our public schools if our kids didn't attend there. That's just reality. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have time to, I wouldn't have time it's to hard. care about them. Yeah. 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 Right. It's super I've hard. I've seen those lists. I think maybe you've even made one, Lori, of like ways that you can pour into your public school even mm-hmm. if you don't have kids that go there. And I look at the list and I'm like, that's awesome. Those are so practical. But honestly, if my kids didn't go there, I probably wouldn't do any of them. Yeah, <laughs> right. you that's know? true. Um, it takes a lot of intentionality. And I think that I think that can be done. I think there are people who do it, um, especially, you know, like empty nesters or people who are in mm-hmm. a, a, maybe a less busy season of life. Um, but it is hard to do that. But Lindsay, I, that mm-hmm. kind of brings me to you. I would love to hear y'all's journey because I know you're so invested in your community mm-hmm. and you're so you're so in relationship with the people in your neighborhood how how do you reconcile um, homeschooling with your investment in the community yeah so I'll start by saying when we decided to homeschool um, it was just you know completely honest it was just because I couldn't imagine sending my five-year-old off you know for the day yeah. <laughs> because he had a you know summer birthday and was just really petite little guy and I just thought I can't put him on a bus and like send him away you know yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so we weren't you know trying to avoid the big bad public school it was just a matter of I can't imagine putting my baby on a bus mm-hmm. um and you know sending him away for full day kindergarten which was what our option was so I agree with both what Lori and Shannon are saying, right? So you you just don't have the skin in the game, like literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. If your kids are in public school, they're there and your heart is there and you're going to be more involved. And I, so that that is just 
I think we can agree, most people, that's just the fact of the matter, but I don't think it has to be either or. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think either you care about public school or you don't and you homeschool your kids. I think Mm -hmm. it can be both and. And so for us, that just looks different, you know? And so we have relationships with the kids in our neighborhood and we have relationships with their parents. And when I notice that kids in my neighborhood aren't at school during school hours, I can talk to their parents about like, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, can we we help give so-and-so a ride or whatever the case may be? Because obviously we want to encourage that. But God hasn't called me to be a public school advocate. He's called me to be a housing advocate. And that's, Mm -hmm. I could never have predicted that. That's not what I thought I'd be doing when we got here. But being able to homeschool obviously is a huge privilege. And so I recognize that right out of the gate, but it gives me the, a lot of freedom and it gives me the freedom to be able to advocate for housing in a way that I couldn't if I was pouring all my resources into public school. And that's, that's not to say that that's bad or wrong, but I think it's just, everyone is uniquely called into different things. And I think it also, you know, just in the vein of like, not pitting like there's so many mommy wars about Mm -hmm. this particular Mm -hmm. it it takes away the um like the ability to trust that the holy spirit is working in someone else's life right Mm -hmm. so right come to different places because we trust that the holy spirit is working in the other person and has led them down this path that is good and right for their family but it's different for our family Mm -hmm. because we're different and we have different just abilities and skills and callings and all of that stuff so so yeah that's kind of how we work out you know living a very similar life to what Lori's family lives and being in our neighborhood and being invested but just in a different way Mm -hmm. yeah right I love it it just brings to mind like running your own race Mm -hmm. you know like you know what you're called to and you know the best way for your family to live out that calling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, one mm-hmm. thing that, I, I, if you disagree with this, I'm happy to hear what you guys have to say, but one thing, it was a really uh, difficult decision, like I said, for us to leave the public school. Part of that was that I did feel like it was a really good inroad into the community and to relationships with people that we may not interact with naturally otherwise. And Mm -hmm. I, that was kind of my big question. Well, it was sort of, it was, it was one of the questions. The big question was, how do we make this decision? Like what's most important here? Is it, do, are we making the decision based on what we think is best for our child and our family? Or are we making the decision based on what might be best for our community? And I had people tell me both. I had other church planters wives tell me, Hey, I've seen this happen and church planters who pull their kids out and go to Christian school, usually their churches don't make it like that kind of like to that extent. So we took it really, really seriously. But one of the things that I realized was that while like my kids being in the public school was a really good inroad into the, into parts of the community that maybe we wouldn't interact with as naturally otherwise, it's not, that's not their job that's my job, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm the mm-hmm. adult, I'm the, the grown up who is called to love my neighbors well. And yeah, my kids are involved in that. Like I totally agree that God calls the whole family, but I can't rely on their position to give me access to things that I can access on my own if I'm just not as lazy about it. So that was sort of one of the th- things that, influenced my our decision which is still kind of hard because uh it's it it is harder when your kids aren't in the school but um which is part of why I do like it I mean I do like being reminded that I can be an advocate for schools that my kids aren't in even though I have to be an advocate for the school that they're in too you know like I have to care for that community as well and be involved there and so I, I share that because it's been a very complicated, like, emotionally, I have not, you know, it hasn't, it wasn't an easy decision. And it's still, there's still yeah. parts of me that are like, oh, man, I, I don't know, it would, it's complicated. <laughs> right, right. No, mm-hmm. I totally, I totally get that, Christy. I, I feel like, and I think a few of you have already said, like, year to year, you kind of mm-hmm. weigh it all over again and decide yeah. what, what's the right thing. 
And I feel really open-handed about, mm-hmm. I really believe in, in public schools. I, I, I feel really, my parents kind of instilled that, um, passion in me for, you know, for education justice and, um, for mm-hmm. being, making sure that the resources of the privileged were going into, right. um, the education for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think that's really important. But at the same time, my oldest son has special needs. And right now he's doing awesome in school. It's not a problem. Um, But a lot of his a lot of his struggles are social. And so I Mm realized that as he gets older, school might be a really hard place and maybe not, you know, but I'm just kind of prepared for anything. And I, so Mm -hmm. I, I look at it of like, I'm holding it really loose. I'm thinking one day we might end up homeschooling, you know, it's not going to be this year and probably won't be next year, but that could happen. Um, maybe not, it'll be fine, but just sort of holding my, um, my expectations for what school's going to look like, holding it really loose. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the problem comes for me and I think I see it in other Christian families too, of, of the tendency to want to make that decision out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you and, said that. Yeah, and I think that that's sort of where where the rubber hits the mm-hmm. road. Have Have you guys experienced that or witnessed it, or what are y'all's thoughts there? Mm-hmm. That's something that you know we've kind of been thinking about as we think about our family and if we were. I've I've seen a lot of bloggers. Well, not a lot, but I've seen some some favorite bloggers and writers and thinkers in the Christian sphere kind of encouraging people that if they were to move, to move to a school district that yeah. is lower income, that is mm-hmm. Title One, like mm-hmm. to to really be intentional in that. And so that has really kind of pushed my boundaries because I think we kind of I don't know, I I can speak for myself, I kinda of grew up thinking you you put your kids in the in mm-hmm. the best quote unquote school system you can Mm -hmm. but my view and my kingdom view and kind of the upside down lens has showed me that best might not be the highest ranking Mm -hmm. when I look right when I look at realtor.com I don't have to have a school that's a 10 Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like there are other things that are very important to me so for me having my kids my black kids and my white kids be at a school that reflects them is mm-hmm. important to me, like mm-hmm. very important to me. And mm-hmm. on, the, on the other side, you know, like I have children with special needs and having a school that meets their needs is also important to me. And sometimes those things don't cross over. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those are things, it's just so complicated. And mm-hmm. so we have to kind of, it's almost like as parents, we have to start like, whether we want to admit this or not, but we have to kind of start like ranking the mm-hmm. things that are most important to us because mm-hmm. we can't we can't have all the things right you know right right one of the things that bad and i are always considering is and just this week we had to make a decision between two different things and our we we read the book slow church several years ago and slow church is a book about like being committed to your community at all cost like if god's planted you there then you put down deep roots. And if a job comes along that pays you more money and gives you better health insurance, and it looks, you can buy a bigger house and a better neighborhood. You need to, what you need to ask the question, like, is there going to be a huge hole in my community if I leave mm-hmm. for the betterment of my mm-hmm. family, you know, mm-hmm. and, or should I stay because my community needs me here? And this is where I can be of most use for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when Thad and I are constantly weighing any decision that we make for our family, it is where are we most needed for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. it's always like a hard decision to make. But at the end of the day, if somebody else can do what we might want to go do, but no one can really do what we're currently doing, then maybe we should stay in that. Mm-hmm. And that's always hard because that, it always seems like we get the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always seems like we don't ever come out on top. Mm-hmm. which is so Jesus, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's such the Jesus thing. And it's, but I think he's always testing our faith to say, do you trust me? Do you mm-hmm. trust that what I've asked you to do, I'm going to be faithful, that I'm going to be faithful to you, that I'm going to, you know, um, love your kids more than you love them. Am I going to mm-hmm. meet all of their needs? Am I going mm-hmm. to take care of your family? And am I going to 
you know, glorify myself in your life where I've put you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's that is never it is like when we get those decisions we have to make, whether it be schooling, other jobs, ministry things, it is like heart wrenching, like where we sob about it because mm-hmm. we, we know what our flesh wants to do. Right. And we know what Jesus is asking us to do. And it's never what we want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Lori, I just feel like I'm so encouraged because I think we have this kind of American individualist mentality, like me and mine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to do what's right for me. And I'm not going to consider anything else. And I just feel like you are such a tangible picture of a kingdom of an upside down mentality and I'm sure and I don't know I'd love to know like do people push back on that to you like do you get criticism like what are you doing to your kids like do you get that uh all the time Mm. all all the time and it's mainly from other believers Mm. and I think Mm. what those believers don't don't realize is they they think they are they are trying to do us good but they are doing us harm because what they don't realize is that their pushback has is coming against a family who has already been put through the fire by the Lord to stick to a like a specific task. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. they give pushback to us, it like causes us to question it. It gives us pause. It puts us in emotional turmoil and it takes us off the thing that God's called us to do. Yeah. And I think like what Lindsay always says, if we can just trust that the Holy Spirit is working in in our brothers and sisters' lives, like it's like it's working in our life, mm. we can bear with one another, pray mm-hmm. for one another, encourage one another, and spur one another on to love and good deeds. So much more so mm-hmm. than we could say, you're screwing your kids up. God would never ask you of that. Well, we don't know what yeah. God would ask. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what God's yeah. going to ask Lindsay's family to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, I think that's super important. I think Christians don't realize the damage we do to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'll go ahead and throw homeschoolers under the bus. I feel like the predominant, and this is not 100%, like, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but the predominant feeling that um, I get from other homeschools is their de- their decision to homeschool is the fear-based, mm-hmm. you know, kind of decision-making that um, Shannon, you were talking about. It's... The fear of, and you know, there are really great legitimate educational values that they have or certain ways that they want their children to be taught or certain things they want them to learn. And so I'm not saying any of that's bad, but I do think, you know, anytime you make a decision out of fear, Mm -hmm. um, fear is an incredibly strong emotion and it can easily sort of cloud our view of what Mm -hmm. the Lord is really um, maybe asking of us. And it can even be the easier choice you know what I mean like it can even be this is the easier thing so we're gonna do that and that's not always that's not always what's best yeah Mm -hmm. I feel like we had almost like a backwards experience because I was more afraid of telling my friends that we were leaving public school to go to Christian school than I was Mm -hmm. of staying in um, yeah, our public school. Like I, it was really hard for me to tell. And the, and the teacher, the teacher who had lived last year was she, uh, Eliza was going to be enrolled in her class and she called me to tell me and she was really excited. And, um, just interesting to think through, like, I don't know, ours was just, it was kind of a unique, I feel like it was a little bit of a unique experience. And I remember even at the, um, we were kind of checking ourselves for that fear, you know, like, is there any part of this that's Mm -hmm. motivated by that we don't think there is because we really love where we are and I remember on our tour the headmaster said you know we're a school where if I can tell during our during the tour that the family is considering us because they're afraid of public school I pretty much just send them somewhere else like there are a lot of there are multiple Christian schools in this city and if that's what you're looking for you can go to one of those but what we're trying to do here is is prepare so it's a classical school which is a different model which is a huge thing that like drew us to the school it is what drew us to the school but we're trying to prepare these kids to go out and love culture and love the world that we're sending them out and we want them to stay in Asheville if they can like even that specific Mm -hmm. we want them to love Asheville we want them we know that that's not realistic but that's our long-term goal but it was interesting to me that he addressed that fear 
from the beginning, yeah. you know, like we had been yeah. in the building mm-hmm. for 30 minutes and he was like, he knew us well enough to know that that's not what it was about. But I appreciated that he called that out, yes. you know, yeah. with, without, without being like afraid of turning us away because of that. Right. 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 I appreciate that too. Just hearing, hearing that testimony. That's encouraging to me. I feel mm-hmm. like in my, um, circles and that's in, in my city, I feel like everybody is super Christians are super supportive of like any, I just don't feel like it's a big deal here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I feel like on my internet circles, sometimes mm-hmm. it, there's like this attitude of like homeschooling is the best. And then private school is the second best. And then public school is like way down low. You mm-hmm. know, like, Yeah. You mm-hmm. That's care. what it's like. That's what it's like in my context. I don't, I only know maybe four other Christian families in my city that public school their kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is, um, I don't know. I think that there is sort of this Christian cultural fear of, of, I don't know, like what being exposed to, you know, quote unquote, worldly behavior or worldly <laughs> ideas or fads or do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of um, oh, like, yeah. yeah, or, um, or even, you know, curriculum, not, not yeah. being faith based or, or they're not being prayer in school or whatever. But from my perspective, I just think that's, that's our family's job, right? You know, our family yeah, exactly. to, to raise right. our child in the faith. I'm not, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, they, they get that from their religious education at church, but, but mostly it is within our home and it's up to us and um, yeah. we create our family culture. And so I think yeah. that there's actually a lot of value in exposing my children to yeah. um, people who think and believe differently. And I know other people are, would mm-hmm. disagree with me on that, but, but because our home is so rooted in, um, in our faith, I feel perfectly confident of mm-hmm. sending them out into where people disagree with them right. or they're gonna um, go they're gonna yeah. go in the real world anyway yeah eventually yeah, yeah. yeah. in that kind of mentality like you're just setting your kids up for fragility you know mm-hmm. like right then yeah. they yeah. get out into the real world and they're like wait a minute people don't believe the same thing i do or mm-hmm. it just like kind of all will unravel right in front of them mm-hmm. you know if they've never been around i mean there are a number of reasons why that's Right. Maybe not the best mentality, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, think I think it does go back to that, like choose, choose your lane and run your race. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But like, don't do it out of fear. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. like the negotiables and non-negotiables, you know, like the yeah. negotiable is where you send your kids to school. A non-negotiable is, are you going to love your neighbors? Are you going to be involved in your community? Are you going to, um, right. like prioritize seeking people that are different from you and listening to voices that are different from you and reflecting the whole of God's yeah. kingdom in your life and in your home that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to what Shannon was saying, I, I, that I don't desire to give our kids a Christian culture. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not a desire of ours. Mm-hmm. We yeah. To, we feel we the same, to, Lori. Yeah, we do we too. And them... our kids are in Christian school. <laughs> yeah. Like we, 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 we want them to be in, at a position where their relationship with Christ is a choice they make, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, based yeah. upon the, the rootedness of our faith in our, in our family mm-hmm. and how we rear them. It's got to be their decision. And mm-hmm. I can't create a culture that I think will hopefully keep them safe enough that they make that decision. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Because right. they're going to make yeah. that decision. It's, it's based upon the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's just, it's how it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give them culture. I want to give them yeah. a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It's like, I, I trust that, that the gospel is so beautiful that, <laughs> that it will draw them. You know, I yeah. don't have to, I don't have to surround them with it all the time. So that, <laughs> yes. so yes. that like, lest they be led astray, you know, it's like, I trust that, that the gospel is powerful mm-hmm. and beautiful. And if I just mm-hmm. offer it to them every day, like, I trust the Holy Spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's so and weird for me to... Mess, and what go. if they sin? I'm like, what's the worst thing they can do? Sin. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's the worst thing they can do. And I can be My fearful. children never sin. <laughs> <laughs> I can be fearful 
example of Ellie sitting in high school and ruining her life, but that that is not reality. And there is nothing so mm-hmm. so bad that she can do that that Christ isn't going to redeem her from that. Right. So I have to just trust Him with her, mm-hmm. and that is part of yeah. choosing your schooling. You know. Yeah. And Lori, I think that says a lot about your humility. Like you're not like, well, my kids and we like mm-hmm. we're up here, mm-hmm. and so we do this, and mm-hmm. other people are down there, and they right. do that, which is so pervasive. And you would think that wouldn't yeah. be in like the Christian and faith fear but it almost seems like even more so mm-hmm. yeah it does. yeah I was gonna say it's I feel like I'm just in this really weird position where I never like expected to be the one with the kids in the Christian school and all that but um I will say that like even though like I want to make sure that we it like so my kids like when they come home they came home the first week and we're like reciting the prayer of Saint Ignatius without like I didn't, I had never heard it before. And I was like in tears, like, this is beautiful. What are you saying? Mm. And, um, (laughs) and there's a, I mean, there is a benefit, like I'm, it's hard. I'm not saying that like, it's a, it's a requirement, but like, it is also beautiful to have these children come home and that's not all they're memorizing, but it's been a surprise, like as someone who didn't expect to look at Christian school, as someone who didn't expect to not be in public school, it has been like you know, knowing that my kids are not primarily running around in purely Christian circles, like all of that kind of stuff, it has been, it has been cool to see them learning like from a Christian worldview, which again, I never thought that I would say, but like to hear this comprehensive approach to education that takes into account the creator and like takes into account all of this stuff and hear it all connected, which is something you know, I did on my own later and it may be that they do on their own later. If we pull out of the school, if we move or whatever, I just don't want to like, I don't want it to sound like we're saying that that's not, it isn't also a beautiful thing to see kids being taught with that, you know, in mind, like from a gospel perspective, because that's not inherently bad either. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm really glad you said that because I didn't realize how much we were leaning to one side before <laughs> before you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm really glad. it depends on yeah. like b- m- different people need to hear different things. So I'm glad that like yeah. both sides are being represented, but I don't Me want too. to make it sound like Christian education is inherently a bad thing. It can be yes. made a very dangerous thing, but it can also be a, a really beautiful way to serve our kids. Right. Yeah. Right. So Chrissy, how do you, how are you intentional then? Cause you mentioned like your kids are around non-Christians mm-hmm. and are around people that, yeah. well, maybe you didn't say they're around people that aren't like them, but how mm-hmm. are you intentional then? Because they're kind of in this different schooling yeah. atmosphere. How do you, how are you intentional? Because you probably have to work harder mm-hmm. than maybe someone who sends their kids to public school. Yeah. Well, p- probably one benefit is that the school is so small that at this point that like we just do hang out with other people. Like they, you know, Liv has two other kids in her class and Eliza has like three other kids in her class. So we hang out with other people, but we also, we have friendships that we had before we were in this school and we, you know, we're not constantly with them, but those we've kept up those friendships. And then just... I mean, to be honest, like focusing on our one street is something that I've been trying to think more about this year. And so like we've got kids on our street who go to several different schools and it may be a a little bit of a different scenario here because it is a magnet district, like I said. So it's not, we don't, we have like kind of a shadow of uh, like neighborhood schools, but you can go anywhere. So like we actually didn't go to the neighborhood school, even when we were in public school, we went to one that was like 10 minutes away. The one in our neighborhood is actually the best school in the city. So it's just different here. I don't know how to explain that. But it's also, it tends to be a more post-Christian culture. And mm-hmm. so we just have a lot of friends who don't believe the same thing that we do. And um, mm-hmm. that it, that hasn't changed because we switched schools. There are mm-hmm. a few relationships that I wish that we could have maintained that it has been harder to keep up with. And those tend to be the more diverse friendships. But... We haven't stopped calling, um, trying to set up play dates and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're not doing any extracurriculars. Like our life is not packed. And I think that is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't maxed out everything mm-hmm. else so that like our priority yes. is being at home or mm-hmm. being with friends, whether they go to our school or not. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we are out of time. I feel like we could talk for another hour on this. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I hope that everybody listening feels represented by someone, <laughs> one of us. Um, and I, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Did you guys enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. it was good. Mm-hmm. I have so many more questions. I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook upside down podcast we also have a private facebook group so you can look it up upside down tribe and um, request to join if you'd like to hash some of this stuff out or different topics or whatever with um with other like-minded people instagram we're at upside down podcast and we would just love to hear feedback we'd love to hear what you liked what rubbed you the wrong way leaving a review on itunes is always welcome it helps other people find us as well so Yeah, keep in touch with us. Give us the feedback and keep letting us know what you'd like to hear about. We always love to hear your Mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah. Um, Things have great ideas. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey, friends. You made it to the end of the episode. (laughs) Woo-woo! So remember how we mentioned Love Justly was giving Upside Down listeners a special bonus discount? That's right. So go to lovejustly.com and enter the code 20 off, just two zero off, all one word, and you'll get an additional 20% off the already discounted fair trade items. Woo. So you guys need to take her up yes. on this. This is such a good deal. <laughs> you is. can shop guilt-free knowing that the artisans and makers of the clothes and jewelry have already been paid. Mm. So winning all around. And I'm supposed to be paying attention, but basically I'm already shopping, so... Thanks for listening, guys.